Bobcat and Rattler fans, and welcome to this Wednesday's edition of Bobcat Radio here on the 21st of September. This is your host, Kyle Owen, and today I'm joined by my producer, Jacob Aromi, and co-host, Joey Gonzalez. Got a lot to cover for with you today, starting with the red-hot Texas State soccer team. But before we get to all that, let's throw it to Joey for a word from our sponsor. Twin Peaks Restaurant and Sports Bar is a sponsor of this broadcast of Bobcat Radio. Located on northbound frontage road of I-35 at Guadalupe Street in San Marcos, Twin Peaks has bites, wings, burgers, sandwiches, and more. Info and menu at TwinPeaksRestaurant.com. Twin Peaks, eats, drinks, scenic views. Like I was saying, we're going to get things kicked off here with some Texas State soccer, the hottest team on campus right now. They've got a 7-1-1 record off to their best start in program history with only a loss to the nationally ranked number 16 TCU Horn Frogs. Coming off their first win in Sunbelt Conference play, this past weekend, September 17th on Saturday, took down the Arkansas State Red Wolves 2-1 to one in a tough batch there. It was a pretty good game, I believe, and uh, I mean, the Bobcats went up 2 to- Two nothing early in that game, uh, conceded a goal pretty late there, but um, for the most part, took control of everything uh, from what I saw on the pitch, at least. Yeah, Texas State, once again, another dominating performance. Um, the possession was 59% to 41 for the Red Wolves. Texas State staying in control once again. And one of the things I was most impressed with was Caitlin Crispin, nine saves on the day. So one of her... Um, one of the performances where she's had to go out and, and make plays so far, but this is a Bobcat team who's shown who they are so far. Olivia Wright with a goal of her own. So Bobcats stay hot, as Kyle mentioned, and they hope to keep it going this weekend. No, certainly. And like you said, off to the best start in uh, program history. Um, really, Coach Holman has, has made made his spot known uh, really, really early on. And now, you know, just now getting into um, just now getting into conference play now they're really in the thick of it. You know, they had a lot of good games. They really had that test against TCU. A lot of the other games uh, in non-conference were teams that really they should have beaten, and, you know, they they showed up and they put the work in and they did what they were supposed to do. And then you finally get that test at TCU at the very uh, back end of non-conference play and uh, really see what you made of. You know, you get that first loss, but, hey, 7-1-1 one, one now after one game of uh, uh, Sunbelt play. You know, it's it's looking pretty good that they could uh, they, they can make a run for it here uh, this year. So, like you said, one game in in December conference play coming up this or actually tomorrow, mm-hmm. uh, the Bobcats going to be taking on the Georgia, Georgia Southern. Southern Eagles. Yeah, and the Georgia, Georgia Southern Eagles, one of the uh, few teams um, in the Sunbelt Conference. Uh, actually, a lot of teams in Sunbelt Conference have four ties so far this year. I think there's four teams with four ties in uh, this new. NCAA ruling for the soccer t- or for soccer having those uh, having ties at the end of um, not regulation but you do the overtime or no there's no more overtime no overtime yeah no yeah. overtime only in postseason plays so no overtime anymore like there was in the past few, past years uh, straight a tie if it ends in a tie at the end of regulation um, but uh, also this weekend playing the only other team in the West Division, actually in the Sun Belt, uh, who has one loss as well, and that's going to be ULM on Sunday. They're eight one and one. So the Red Hawks or the uh, the Warhawks coming in uh, pretty hot so far this season as well, uh, keeping up there with the Bobcats. But they have taken a, a loss so far in Sun Belt Conference play. Um, we'll see how they pan out. 
the rest of the week. But uh, looking forward to that game against Georgia Southern tomorrow. Georgia Southern, like we said, four ties already on the year and uh, should be a pretty good matchup for the Bobcats. I expect them uh, to uh, to to get this one pretty handily. Um, Southern doesn't have the the best team that they've seen in a long time with only one win so far this year, a three nux, three nothing win or three one win at North Florida. Um, but uh, going to have to travel to Statesboro. Not going to be an easy one. Sir, first away game for the Bobcats in their 2022 Sunbelt Conference season. Definitely, it'll be a good one. I, I do think, from what I've seen at least, I think the Bobcats do play a little bit better at home, but, I mean, most teams do. Um, but they will be back at home Sunday. So if you go pick up a win at Statesboro, you get uh, maybe a little bit of an easier one as well against ULM on Sunday here, and then you're starting off 3-0 and in conference play. And after that, you know, you kind of ride the wave uh, the rest of the way. So yeah, the, I was just going to say last year, the Bobcats only had seven wins during their whole season already. The Bobcats seven, one, one. I mean, this is a Bobcat team who's the hottest that I think anybody who has ever followed Texas state soccer can remember. So you go into this weekend and even if you just pick up one of those matches with the victory, you already have more wins than last season. And this is a Texas state um, soccer team who already has to think that this has been a successful season already. Yeah, in the first season under Steve Holloman, so uh, pretty pretty good results so far. But uh, moving on to the next Red Hot uh, women's team here on campus, the Texas State volleyball team coming off of their Horned Frog Invitational up at TCU. Took two of three games up there, beat Abilene Christian in the first game they had in a 3-2 uh, fashion there. And then they were swept by Alabama in their second game on Saturday. And then uh, their... The second game of Saturday, the third game of the weekend, was able to beat TCU at home, Big 12 foe, 3-1. to one. So uh, two pretty solid wins there, especially coming off of uh, another 2-1 two, th- uh, two to one, um, competition in the in, in the Bobcat Invitational. So uh, got a pretty good, uh, pretty good slate going right now for the Bobcat volleyball team. And then coming up tomorrow at ULM, and then they will play them again on Friday. So uh, something I saw kind of interesting that I don't think I noticed last year. I don't think it was the way it was last year, but with uh, the new additions of the Sunbelt Conference, um, playing back-to-back this year, uh, every single team that they play is going to be back-to-back, and they're only playing eight of the 14 Sunbelt Conference teams. So when it comes to tournament time, you're going to see a lot of unfamiliar foes. You're going to get a lot of play against uh, against the same team, playing those back-to-back games, and then and then all of a sudden Sunbelt Conference plays and comes around for the tournament, and you're going to get brand-new faces. It's yeah, going to be interesting. It certainly does uh, have like a little bit of a disadvantage, but at the same time, it has a disadvantage for the team you're, you're against as well. So it will definitely... Uh, Definitely add a little bit of spice, I guess you can say, to the the tournament at the end of the year. But um, yeah, luckily for them, they're still up against South Alabama a little bit later on in their schedule. That's a team they fell to uh, last year in the tournament finals um, to stop their four-peat. Uh, they halted their four-peat right there. So I'm sure they're ready to get back at them. But other than that, I mean, again, they're coming in to Sunbelt Conference play extremely hot, only dropping games to really big schools, really namely schools like Alabama, Ole Miss, UCLA, who is ranked 23rd. And um, so, again, very similar to soccer, coming out of non-conference play extremely hot and going in uh, looking for a couple of wins this weekend. Yeah, the Bobcats, I mean, they're they're a team who looks red hot just like they have the past couple of years. And Kyle, you mentioned earlier how there's going to be a lot of teams that Texas State doesn't 
isn't too familiar with once Sunbelt Conference tournament begins. And then that allows for players that are under the radar to really shine in that tournament. A player like Maggie Walsh, freshman from San Marcos High School, had five kills in the victory against the Horn Frogs on this weekend so that's that's a player that you'd like to see shine as the season progresses and then just some players are just going to have to continue to shine as the season progresses janelle fitzgerald with a 21 kill performance that's her um, fourth 15 plus kill match of the season so that is a player that you got to watch for and then jada gardner as well texas state looks really good offensively so far yeah and can't wait to see him go and hit the road this weekend to go to monroe Texas State Volleyball, 8-4 and four on the year, going to be playing back-to-back Thursday and Friday at ULM, who is 6-8 and eight, uh, so far this season to start Sunbelt Conference play. And uh, But yeah, that's going to be it for the first half of this show. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break, but on the other side of it, we've got more to cover. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to Bobcat Radio right here on KTSW 89.9. And welcome back to this Wednesday's edition of Bobcat Radio. In the studio with me, I've got my producer, Jacob Aromi, and co-host, Joey Gonzalez. And this is your host, Kyle Owen. So coming back from the break, we're going to go ahead and talk about some Texas State football. Uh, Unfortunate loss this weekend at Baylor. 42-7. 42-7. to seven. The Bobcats looked into it uh, the first half. They were competitive and almost had it within a score uh, going into halftime. But uh, unfortunate uh, things happened there and uh, just kind of got out of the out of reach for the Bobcats. Um, talent-wise, like we talked about it earlier, looked great, uh, especially starting out the game and uh, just, just slowly, slowly slipped away from the Bobcats in this one. Yeah, it, it was pretty clear there. They kind of shot themselves in the foot, and that's something we've been hearing for the past couple years with this Bobcat team. You know, it's always that they're doing it to themselves, and that's exactly what happened again. You had a uh, a touchdown pass that would have gone for about 40 yards right at the end of halftime that was dropped. That would have uh, made it, I believe, 10 to 14 um, at the time. Going And if you're going into half against Baylor, 10 to 14, you're looking really good. And then, yeah, you, you miss that and you let up the 50-yard run, right, like a couple plays after. And that's just how fast a game can change because now you're going in, I think it was like 21-7, to 7, or I could be wrong. I thought it was 21-7. to 7. So that's just, you know, it goes from a four-point game to a 14-point game. That's a 10-point swing in two plays. And at that point, it's much harder to fight from behind, especially when you're already kind of going into the game knowing you're you're an underdog. And they did a real good job, I feel like, uh, coming out of halftime, trying to trying to play good, play tough. I mean, it took Baylor a while to finally find the scoreboard or find the end zone once more. But uh, but yeah, like we like you said, just let it slip out of their hands in this one. Yeah, I think the Bobcats did a good job staying alive in that first half. Uh, Kyle, you, just talk, you talked about that third quarter. They came out pretty hot. This is a Texas State team who usually struggles coming out of third quarters and for them to stay alive. I mean, they, they just let it get out of hand in the end. But uh, Jacob talked about moments ago about the talent on this team. Ashton Hawkins, um, 13 reception, 114 yards. He's actually tied for second in the nation with 28 receptions on the season, trailing just behind Charlie Jones of Purdue with 32 receptions. So Lane Hatcher knows his receiver that he likes. Mm-hmm. And I think if, um, if Hawkins can keep it up and this this receiving core keeps going, I think this is a Texas State team who can find even more offensive production. And Ashton Hawkins also broke the record for most receptions in a game by a Bobcat this weekend, so good for him. And I think wide receivers is truly 
probably the strongest part of the team right now, in my opinion, because you have Ashton Hawkins. On offense, at least. On offense, at least. And then, because you also have guys like Javen Banks and Marcel Barbie, who were extremely loud, you know, last year and had incredible plays and incredible games. And they those two have started out a little bit quiet, but I'm sure they're going to get into the rhythm uh, with Hatcher. And then you even have guys like Julian Ortega-Jones who are stepping up and, you know, other guys who we've wanted to see step up, finally stepping up and getting into that, uh, getting those reps. Yeah, I feel like uh, once the attention kind of shifts over more to Ashton Hawkins away from Marcel and Javon mm-hmm. Banks, uh, they're going to be able to get their their opportunity more there. And, I, you know, you realize, I mean, like you said, we're really loud with bat last year, both of them. So a lot of these teams, especially early in the season, they're going to game plan against these two guys and uh, and allows Ashton Hawkins to just kind of step up into the scene and show, hey, I'm third guy here and I, I'll, I'll take it all every single day. So, um, I'll, I mean, hey, I'll take it too. So the Bobcats going ahead, uh, just – Looking forward to next week. Don't want to dwell on the loss too much. Coming up this weekend right here at, in San Marcos at Bobcat Stadium, the Bobcats will be taking on the Houston Baptist Huskies right down the road from Houston. Houston Baptist, an FCS program, but uh, not something that uh, the Bobcats can take lightly. Not after last year, losing to Incarnate Word at home as well. So uh, another scary situation um, uh, and a threatening situation for the Bobcats coming in to their second home game of the season. It's very a little, very similar to the beginning of last season. You know, you look good against Baylor at some points. You have some promise. You beat FIU. You have some promise. Same thing both th- seasons. Now you're going into this FCS game, and last year when you lost against Incarnate Word, that's kind of where the whole season kind of you know went off the rails. A lot of confidence was lost, and um, I'm sure a lot of you know the momentum in the locker room was lost and was never able to gain back. So this is really a must win for the Bobcats. Uh, they should win it, but again, they need to come in and take care of business and do what they should do. And so uh, this is a big momentum swinging game because if you win today, if you win this weekend, and you go into Sunbelt Conference play two and two. I think that's a, a, a much better look, especially from one and three. You go in two and two and JMU in a couple of weeks, it's also a winnable game if you, you know, go in five hundred. Yeah, great point right there. Are you especially you go in two and two? You had the victory um when you were last at Bobcat Stadium just two weeks ago. So this is a team who they got to come in and they got to get a win. And especially that bad taste of last year when they, when they fell to UIW, they want to wipe that away, show that they can, that they can beat this FCS opponent. And uh, Jacob, as you mentioned, just go into conference play um, with a, with a record that looks a lot better than one and three. Yeah. Speaking of a 500 record, the Houston Baptist Huskies starting their season off one and one with their only loss to Lindelwood, who uh, was a one point game. So I'm sure that's one that uh, that the Huskies would like to get back. So not going to be a pushover coming in uh, here to San Marcos and uh, and definitely not going to be an easy one. So uh, the Bobcats and the Huskies have met one time before in the past. Bobcats won that one interestingly 20 to 11 not sure how you get that 11 points there but uh but yeah oh uh, one and oh advantage for the bobcats um against the huskies in their history last matchup like i said uh 20 to 11 that was on september 2nd of 2017 so about five years ago now um and right before Jake Spavadol stepped onto campus. So Spavadol has not seen this Husky football team yet so far. But fun fact sh- real quick, Kyle. Sorry yeah, about that. Ahead. Where you got to 11 is a touchdown, missed PAT, a field goal, and then a safety. Just slipped it up. <laughs> oh, so okay. Very, very interesting way to get there. But, hey, they did it. Hey, at least they can score touchdowns unlike Iowa. All right. Anyways. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, I, I, I just... 
memeing from the their safeties games and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. what did, what did they score? What was the one game they won? It was like six, nine to three or like seven, <laughs> something like and that. And scored, it was only safeties, yeah, it was safeties or something like that. But anyways, uh, Texas State football coming back home. It'll be Youth Football Day here at Bobcat Stadium against the Houston Baptist Huskies coming up six o'clock on Saturday. But a game before that, some more football. Texas high school football, the San Marcos High School Rattlers coming off a big win off of Laredo Alexander in Laredo, 65-34. to 34. And I think this is finally the offense that Coach Walsh has been looking for. Yeah, definitely. And I, I do think there are still some things to clean up, especially on defense. Um, I think, of course, when you're scoring 60 points, they're going to score some back. But, um, yeah, uh, of course, I, I wasn't out there to watch the Laredo game, but look at the box score. It's certainly something to look good. Uh, it's something, you know, pretty amazing that the Rattlers have really not been able to find in that offense for, you know, th- this year and last year. But um, coming coming in this upcoming week, you know, uh, it's getting close to district play, so you're going to have to really clean up those mistakes and really get into it. Yeah, you got an undefeated Eagle Pass team coming into town. Uh, this is a team who, as long as they could clean up the the penalties, I think this is a team who who sets herself up for chances to win these ball games. I mean, I'm sure I didn't, as Jacob said, I didn't get to go um, watch that watch a game either. But I'm sure uh, the penalties were cleaned up. This is an offense that's finally clicking. Uh, we talked about before the season started. This is a team that this should finally be their year that the offense finally explodes. It looks like they finally exploded when they're down there in Laredo. So hopefully uh, that momentum keeps going and they can get a one big win before going into, into district. Yeah, and fortunately for the Rattlers, coming off a loss last week or the week before uh, to San Antonio, it was Wagner. Wagner, yeah, had these games missing me up. Yeah. <laughs> it's been so long, but uh, so San Antonio Wagner coming off a loss a tough one there uh and they're back-to-back overtime games and two in less than a week so uh being able to come off of that uh that loss overtime loss they're never easy going and traveling the the three three and a half four hours that it takes Mm -hmm, to get to laredo and then coming up and and still i mean absolutely putting it on over there against alexander so uh eagle pass will have to make a pretty 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 tough travel mm-hmm. coming on undefeated they're not going to be a pushover um but we do know that the rattlers aren't going to lay down for an undefeated record and they're going to do their best to keep on going and is that their homecoming game did anybody confirm that or i will check it right okay here. but yeah but anyways so either way san marcus high school football friday at 7 30 against eagle pass and that is their, their homecoming, homecoming game. game so if you are a uh or just a Rattler fan, go go ahead, show up, and be loud and support these kids on their homecoming game. And it's, it would be y'all's homecoming game as well if you're a Rattler alumni. So, uh, so go ahead, get out there, support your Rattlers. It should be a great game against Eagle Pass. But, uh, but um, yeah, that's going to be it for the local sports. Got through some Texas State soccer, volleyball, and football. Now some San Marcos High School football. We're going to move on to some national things. We'll talk about some Thursday night football first, and then we'll talk about uh, we'll hit on the MLB wildcard and divisional races here uh, as the season dwindles down with only 12 days left in the MLB season. But like I said, we're going to start it off first with Thursday night football, the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cleveland Browns. And uh, 
two teams that don't really have a quarterback, but uh, but are at 500 so far to start their NFL seasons. Yeah, I mean, pretty much like 80% of the league is at one and one. You know, there's not a lot of undefeated teams left, and one of them being the Giants, so that says a lot. But uh, these two teams coming in, like you said, not a lot of quarterbacks, but I think the Steelers now a couple weeks in, you can still go Trubisky this week, but you're going to have to start asking that question of when you want to start Kenny Pickett because you have a roster that can win now. And I think you need to find out which quarterback will help you win now because you, with the Bengals starting out like they're starting out, you are in a much weaker division than you initially thought. And Steelers have a much better chance of winning that division than they initially thought. Tied for first with uh, the Ravens right now and the Browns. And um, so I think that they're going to beat the Browns this weekend with uh, or tomorrow night, my apologies, with uh, Mitchell Trubisky. But I think after that, they really have to start thinking about, you know, when when should we start pick it to see what we have and to see if he's a better quarterback to win now yeah Steelers they get they have to take advantage right now I mean this is a Bengals team which last year they Browns, Browns. okay Browns, Browns. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well I was, I was talking about the Bengals that made oh, the Super okay. Bowl heard, heard, heard. and last year the Bengals team they made the Super Bowl and now you you wonder where they are they lost to Dallas this past weekend so if we're talking about a team that that needs to win it's a the Steelers just got to take advantage of the division right now the Browns coming off a loss to the Jets which I found very surprising so if anybody has a chance to win this division I think it's the Steelers right there with the Ravens yeah I think that's if the Steelers are going to be able to win their division they're going to have to clean up some things on defense they're giving up 425 yards per game so far in their two games and uh in the NFL that's that's a it's not good to be to be putting up against your your offense and especially if your offense is only producing about 250 yards per game uh it's not necessarily what you want to see um if you're mike tomlin the head coach over there at uh at this pittsburgh steelers so um yeah man i i think it's definitely going to be a, a good matchup the browns like you like we said and the steelers just looking for looking for something uh to figure it out in the next couple of weeks before they solidify who they're going to have behind the center behind center. But, uh, um, looking at, you know, the matchup predictors and stuff like that. And they got the, the, uh, the power index has Cleveland winning this one, 53 and a half percent to 50 or 45.9%. So Cleveland has the advantage on that one. And then the number fire team rankings we have, uh, got from the pick center 21 to 17 looks to be the, uh, predicted final score there of that game. So should be an interesting one from Cleveland coming up tomorrow night, seven 15. That is Thursday night football on the Amazon prime network. So moving forward, like I said, wasn't going to leave out the MLB coming down to their final a uh, couple days of the season. I believe I said 12 days, so less than two weeks left. We've only got two divisional clinches, and uh, that is the Houston Astros out of the AL West and then the Los Angeles Dodgers out of the NL West. Um, everybody else is up for grabs still. So uh, any surprises here or anybody that you're looking forward to um, pulling out in their divisional race? Uh, not in the divisional race, but at least the wild card, uh, Seattle. You know they still still hold the longest playoff drought out of any uh, any American professional team, and they are right there again. Just two and a half games, or yeah, two and a half games behind is the uh, five games behind. My bad is the Orioles, which is you know kind of a long shot to get back in it with five games behind. But again, that's another team that hasn't had success over the past couple of years, and a lot of people are really liking this year. So I think the uh, 
the kind of race to get that final wild card spot between those two teams is going to be exciting because both teams, you know, haven't had a lot of success. And so it'd be nice to see either team in the playoffs and really compete. I think this is the year for Seattle that they make the playoffs. They got Julio Rodriguez, who looked um, impressive all year long, made the um, made the All-Star game in July. But um, they made it to the final final day last year before just falling short of a wild card spot. But I think the most interesting run right now is the New York Mets and the Atlanta Braves. Both of those teams trying to win their division. But if not, both of those teams will find themselves in the playoffs. No, I definitely agree with that one. The uh, National League East, pretty tight race right now with the Mets and the Braves. The Braves, uh, it says one game behind. They're two games behind uh, with the with 95 and 55 for the Mets and then 93 and 55 for the Braves. So that should be an interesting one leading off the back end of the season. And uh, we mentioned earlier um, off air, you know, if those two teams play one another in the, in the next two weeks, I think that will be one of the deciding factors. Um, That's going to basically figure it out. Whoever wins that series is going to win the national league East. So uh, hopefully they do. We do get to see some uh, Mets and Braves action here in the next couple weeks. But if not, we'll see, him probably in the playoffs and uh whoever win whoever gets that wild card spot uh will definitely have the advantage going into uh um actually winning that wild card game so uh looking forward to that one and then um as well as hopefully seeing the brewers make a pitch there pitch push there at the end i like the brewers team uh and i think that uh i think that 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 squad over there has a good good chance of, of making that wild card spot and um, and getting through to the next couple rounds of the playoffs. But uh, going back over to, into the American League, like we saw, talked about, Seattle, Seattle with the playoff drought, would love to see them get a get a chance to uh, to compete for a pennant. But um, but but yeah, to be able to do that for the first time in a long time would be absolutely huge for them. And then a division that is still a little bit wide open, uh, the AL East with the New York Yankees, Toronto Blue Jays, and the Tampa Bay Rays all within a couple games of one another. Um, it can swing either way at any time. And I think that uh I think that New York spot isn't safe. And um if they wanna if they wanna keep on keeping on, they're gonna have to probably push to almost hundred games by the end of the season uh to, to be able to win that division. I mean, we came into the season knowing that that was the toughest division in the league. And uh, throughout the season, they have, uh, you know, not disappointed all three teams that you just mentioned. And even Baltimore, like I mentioned, coming coming and even competing them. So easily the strongest team in the strongest division in the league. And they are uh, making it known. So going back over everything we've talked about today, Texas State soccer coming up tomorrow at Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern Eagles are one, two, and four. Four ties on the season in the Bobcats, seven, one, and one. Pretty good so far this season. And then volleyball going on the road to Monroe, back-to-back Friday and Saturday to start off Sunbelt Conference play. And then Texas State football coming up on Saturday against Houston Baptist right here at home. And then on Friday, the San Marcos High School Rattlers with their homecoming game against Eagle Pass. Should be a good one there. Be sure to go out and support your Rattlers. But that's going to be about it. But before we get things going today, we're going to go over and give it to Jacob for the weather. Looking at San Marcos today, currently 86 degrees outside with a high of 94 and a low of 69. Sunny. It'll be sunny pretty much for the rest of the day and looking forward to the rest of the week. Still pretty sunny. 
looking at tomorrow, low of 68, high of 95, and Friday, a low of 70 and a high of 95. So pretty uh, consistent weather throughout the week, sunny and hot. Yep, and it's probably going to be that way for a little bit longer until probably, what, the end of October or something like that. So I hope that soon. We will, uh, we will go ahead and sign off for the day. Make sure to keep up with everything Texas State and San Marcos related by following us on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube on at KTSW Sports. But for Joey Gonzalez, Jacob Aromi, I'm Kyle Owen, and thank you for listening to this Wednesday's edition of Bobcat Radio. Now, let's get you back to the other side of radio.